Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. I can already tell it's going to be one of these nights with the Internet and with everything going on. Uh, the music's not playing, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have a lot of fun tonight because we're – and the music's going to pop on here in a second, and we have to try to turn it off. But I'm your co-host, John, I'm your co-host, John Robb. Jeff Ayers is actually not here tonight. He has taken the night off, and he's going to kick himself in the butt because of the guests that we have on. It's been a while since we had Steve on talking about his book, uh, Meg, which is now going to be a worldwide major motion picture coming out August the 10th, uh, starring Ruby Rose and Jason Statham. So it's very exciting to be able to uh, talk to Steve about the book and, of course, you know, the movie and everything that's going to go on around it and, you know, just how in-depth and we're going to kind of get into this. But I want to remind everybody that, of course, all of our shows here are brought to you by uh, Suspense Magazine and Kensington Books. So please make sure that you visit um, kensingtonbooks.com for more information on what all they have going on, and then make sure that you visit, you know, suspensemagazine.com. And our issue just came out, so we are up and running here with our summer edition, so make sure you check that out. If you haven't seen Twitter, we put it out there, and, of course, it's on the website. But without any further ado, we want to get in here with our guest. Again, he is author Steve Alton, and the book is Meg. And, Steve, thanks so much for coming on tonight. I know that you're battling a little bit of a cold. Uh, We want to thank you for joining us. And that's what the internet is, is that I know he's here. Hold on, you're not on the line yet. Uh, I'm having some little technical issues going on here, like I said, with the uh, stuff, but I'm trying to reset this. But in the meantime, uh, while this is going on and while I get Steve on the phone, because this is uh, not his fault, uh, make sure you visit SteveAlton.com. That's A-L-T-E-N.com for more information on not just Meg and uh, the books in the series, but all of his works that he has um, going on, because he's, he's written just, you know, more than just one book. Um, and I apologize for this, Steve, trying to figure out why I'm having so much problem. I don't know if it's the website or if it's just the, uh, my Internet service here or something's going on, but it seems to be taking a whole lot of time to try to get this working. Uh, let me see. You there? I'm here. There you are. Jesus Christ. This is what you get for live fucking radio, I'll tell you, my Lord. But, hey, it's good to have you on. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Yeah, so you kind of hear that you're fighting a little bit of a cold. So let's just jump right into it here, and let's kind of go back to when we first talked to you with the book Meg that had come out that is starting that, that, that started it all now. And just take readers a little bit through, you know, maybe the book, the conception, and what exactly is, if they're just learning out, of course they see the trailer and they see, wow, this is a really big shark, but it's a lot more than that. So tell us a little bit. Yeah, this was a real creature. Carcharodon megalodon, or Meg for short, was uh, basically a 75-foot version of a great white shark. And it uh, existed about 30 million years ago during the Miocene period and only died off rather recently, maybe a million to a million years ago, maybe. Could still be out there because there's no real reason for that shark to have disappeared. It was the apex predator of all time. Uh, it had no natural enemies except perhaps orca, which which hunt in pods. 
But if you're a, a, a 75-foot shark and you want to get away from an orca, you just go deep. And the fact that only 5% of our oceans have been explored and less than 1% of the deep water sort of lends itself to the plot of the story, which I came up with back in uh, 1995 after reading a Time Magazine article on the Mariana Trench. Hmm. And I had always been enamored with uh, reading great white shark stories, including Jaws. And there was always a blurb about Carcara and Megalodon out there, usually accompanied by a black and white photo of six scientists sitting in a in a giant jaw. And when I read the article, I thought, you know, that may be that could if this was feasible that the shark could still be alive, it might make for a nice book. And so I spent about 30 days in the library doing research because there was no internet back then. Uh-huh. And that I was going to write the book, and so because I had a job where I worked days and evenings, I the only time I could work on the book was about ten o'clock at night till three in the morning, and on weekends. And uh, it took me about six months to a year to finish the book and do edits on it, and then we took it out, and it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. And that was twenty-two years ago. Man, and. 22 years, I guess the culmination of, uh, you, you could pretty much ask, and I would say eight out of every ten authors that you ask say, you know, what's the one thing that you would love to see with your book? And it's like, oh, be made into a movie. And that's coming up here August the 10th, uh, worldwide release. And so how long has it been since this has kind of been in the works? Well, we actually originally optioned the, the movie rights to the book before the book was actually uh, published. So the movie rights were optioned in the summer of 96, and then in September of 96, uh, I signed a two-book deal with Band of Doubleday. And uh, the, the first dramatic rights option was with Hollywood Pictures, which is owned by Disney. And they went through two subpar scripts, and the president of the studio lost his job. And when that happened, the new incoming president never takes on the old projects because, God forbid, your predecessor should be credited with doing anything right. Mm-hmm. So the rights reverted back to me, and nothing happened until about 2004. And then a friend of mine, Nick Nunziata, who's the founder of Chud.com Cinematic Happenings Under Development, took uh, Meg to two of his friends, Guillermo del Toro, the director, and Lloyd Levin, the producer of Hellboy. And they optioned it for from me for a dollar and, and asked me to write a script, which I did, and then I worked on it with Jan DeBond, who was attached as producer, as director. Jan was the, the director of Twister and Speed. And so we sort of worked on the script together, and then we took that package to New Line, and New Line Cinema optioned it, added about a half a dozen more of their producers, and then uh, they brought in a new screenwriter who just basically butchered my novel and, oh, God. and wrote, you know, and that was, the, that was the lowest point I think I was at because when I read his script, I realized that not only is this a bad script, it's sort of like a Moby Dick with a giant shark, but this will kill the franchise. And fortunately, they, they never greenlit his movie and uh, the, the rights reverted back to me. And then I, I optioned them to producer Bell Avery, whose forte was raising money. And over the next eight years, Bell, well, Bell and I wrote a script together ourselves, and she used that script to uh, to get investors uh, to invest privately into the movie, and they raised about $150 million and took that to Warner Brothers, 
and Warner Brothers Damn. joined in, and and uh, that was three years ago, and here we are. Yeah. And so you ended up with a writer. Uh, one of them is, uh, you know, Dean. Uh, what is it, is it pronounced? Gregorius. Gregorius. Uh, I, that's how I would pronounce it. I'm not sure how Dean would pronounce it. <laughs> but for people who don't know, I mean, he wrote um, uh, three of the bigger movies. I guess you want to say before, you know, besides Meg, is you know the Manchurian Candidate, um, Paycheck. He did also the second Laura Croft, which is my favorite one actually, The Cradle of Life. And then you also had John Heber on this, um, and, you know, he's kind of done, you know, he he did more recent things, uh, you know, like Battleship, Red, Red 2, and, you know, with Meg. So so, so you got some good writers going on. And and I guess, you know, the question is, of course, everybody always likes to know, how involved were you in in any kind of the part of this movie? Because uh, fans – always crack me up when they sit there and they yell at the author like Lee Child like how could you get Tom Cruise to play Jack Reacher and he's like you, like I had a choice I mean you know so how involved were you with you know in the creation of all of this how much did they ask you and, and get your input I parked the cars basically that's about my limit <laughs> in the valet parking lot no. and the, and, yeah so basically I mean they kind of take the book now do you get any kind of screen? Do you, do you get any kind of writing as it's going along, or do they just say, "Here's the screenwriting, and you know, here's here it is, and you know, good luck." Well, actually, Bell and I, our script was originally used to to raise the funds and get investors involved. So uh, we each got a screen credit, which was nice. Uh, nice. But, after, but once you know they bring in other writers, then that, that that's it for me. Uh, however, you know, I entrusted her with the project, so she would tell me, keep me updated on what was going on. And, uh, you know, when they when they attached Jason Statham as for the uh, lead part as, as Jonas Taylor, you know, that was that was a highlight because I really wanted him. I thought he would be excellent. Yeah, I mean, when you have and and then you know when you put Ruby Rose, and of course, you know, she's. Claim to fame, she jumped the charts with uh, Orange is the New Black. I mean, so, you know, she she became, um, you know, she's a great rising star who's becoming very popular. So you got two massive stars, and, of course, some of the other characters like Ryan Wilson. I mean, people might not know the names, but when they see the faces, they'll be like, oh, I know that guy, I know that girl. You know, it's kind of one of those things that they're always like those great secondary characters. Uh, have you seen Have you seen the movie yet or just the trailer or what? For, uh, not Ryan Wilson, Rain Wilson from The Office. Rain, yeah, yeah, Rain Wilson. Oh, did I say Ryan? Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> Chow, Paige Kennedy. I mean, Cliff Curtis from yeah. uh, Fear the Walking Dead. There's a, there's a lot of great international stars in this movie. I mean, they did an amazing job. But uh, and so and, and so you haven't I, seen I, a screener yet, right? No, I I will see it uh, in L.A. next week, God willing. Nice. Yeah, you got to get over that cold. But I have a feeling that you're going to have no problem coming out and, and seeing that. And that's when the premiere is, right? The red carpet, the whole nine yards? Yeah. Yeah. The, now, which theater in L.A. They, are they showing it at? Which, where's the premiere going to be? The big Grommans. Oh, you're going to go to Grommans. Nice, because I know that sometimes they do it in uh, Westwood. There was a movie theater over there. I think Spider-Man was over there, and some other movies have been over there. So, wow, you get to go to Grauman's Chinese. Now, is this your, this is, is this the first time you've ever been to a movie premiere and done this red carpet kind of stuff? That's got to be cool. 
Uh, we actually were given, my wife and I were invited to see Space Jam way back after we signed the, the uh, <laughs> movie deal, so, so that was it. And now you're going to be, people are going to be taking pictures, and I mean, what a great thing for, you know, for the book sales and the series uh, in general, because Meg is not, you know, the Meg, you know, which is it's called, is not the, is the first book in the series, but you have others that, you know, you've written. So was the movie, did they kind of take all of the books and kind of work something from there, or did they just kind of say, we're just going to focus on the first one or the second or the third? How did that screenplay kind of go? Do you know? Yeah, uh, they primarily focused on the first one. Okay. But there's six and, in the series, and there'll be a seventh. Yeah. And so the one thing that you did kind of mention on early that I want to kind of go back and touch to was it is kind of amazing how we have only explored, you know, 5% of the ocean, only 1% of the deep water. So, you know, there are creatures, of course, that could be lurking anywhere at any time and, and you know you've just never seen them before uh, and that's one of those you know is it real is it not real it's aside of you know some of the other you know sci-fi stuff that they have but this could actually kind of be something that who, who knows and and it might not be in our lifetime of course but all of a sudden this this, this could pop up and being you know as something that ended up becoming real well, it's like you say, we have no idea really what's down there, and we know that, you know, prior to, I think, 1975, something like that, maybe even later, before the Alvin Submersible was created, uh, scientists just made a, they declared that there is no life at the bottom of the ocean because light can't reach the bottom of the ocean, therefore no photosynthesis, therefore no life. But once they got down there with an Alvin Submersible and took a look for themselves, they discovered hydrothermal vent fields that, that you know, were the basis of chemosynthesis, which is, which is energy transported through chemicals as opposed to sunlight, and, and really discovered that this is where life on our planet originated from, the ocean. So, you know, it always, you know, it's when I hear people say, so-called experts, well, Megalodon's not out there because we would have seen one by now. Sure. Really, how would we see one? Because... <laughs> We 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 keep an eye on seventy percent of the Earth. You know, it's it's a ridiculous statement, and uh, you know when you've only explored one percent of the deep water, you really have no idea what's down there. Right. Uh, you know, another one of your books features, of course, one of the all elusive myths, real or not, the Loch Ness monster, and of course you have that iconic photo, which no one has really ever been able to explain with any kind of certainty of what exactly that creature is. And that's just talking a lake. It's a deep lake, but it's still a lake. And if they couldn't explain maybe what that was, because they haven't found a carcass or anything, I guess, of it, you know, what possible reason would it be to say that this, you know, could not be real? And don't they have, and I forget where it's at, but didn't they find a a, a mouth, right? Kind of like they found a mouth that was just giant, that was bigger than anything, and that's where that that's where Meg is, right? Well, you're 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 mixing a couple things here. Um, uh oh. With Meg, they found a tooth. They found teeth at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. That okay, was teeth. In the 1800s, so we we have. I mean, I have sitting on my shelf where I'm 
when talking is, is a half a dozen make teeth. So we nice. find make teeth all the time. I mean, and you know they go from six to seven inches that large. Now the Loch Ness monster, uh, that photo, that that famous uh, surgeon's photo it was called because the guy who took the picture supposedly was a surgeon. Uh, that was fake. However, uh, when I wrote the book, the only reason I decided to write it, I was sort of being urged to write it by my manager at the time, was because I met with a friend of mine who was a cryptozoologist, and he gave me his theories of what the creature was. And that made sense to me. So you have you have to separate with the lock, and, and the book is, is sci-fi, it's serious. With the lock, you have to separate the... The tourism, which is based on mythology, from the facts, which is based on a real creature out there, but it's not a plesiosaur or anything ridiculous like that. It's it's a it's actually a, a pretty terrifying sort of fish eel species. Oh. Okay. So I I never knew that they actually found out that it was fake. I always thought that it was that it was just a theory of this and that. So. Well, the photo. Uh, there, there is something out there, but the but the photo itself was was the guy doctor. on the death best to it. Gotcha. Huh. So yeah, and and then, so maybe I saw because I know I had seen a picture of something. So maybe somebody did a recreation of a Meg mouth and used teeth from that. So maybe that's what I was referring to. Maybe it wasn't an actual. Maybe someone oh, had done oh, a recreation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are make jaws out there. The the jaws are are mold. The jaws, yeah. But the teeth are real. Okay, okay. So the teeth so they have a so the so so they try to have an idea of about how big it is because I mean when I see this trailer, I mean I'm I mean, you're thinking nineteen seventy nine, everybody thought Jaws was big and it was like that's a twenty footer, oh no, it's a twenty five and then you look at this and you're like, Yeah, this is a seventy five footer and he can kill your ship with biting it, not just ripping it, you know, little by little, like it's going to be gone <laughs> when you see the trailer for this thing. It's massive. Yeah, Jaws was just a snack. I just, <laughs> yeah, Jaws wasn't even a baby. I think the babies come out bigger from Megs than, than the size of Jaws. Um, and, you know, and th- that's the one thing that I, I was always curious about because in 1979, of course, when Jaws came out, it started a phenomenon of, um, you know, animal, I guess you want to say, related where they're the kind of, you know, lead story uh, characters. But now with everything needing to be, you know, so much bigger and brighter, do you think that if Meg would have come out back then, I think that it's more relevant today and better than if it would have come out maybe instead of Jaws in 79? Well, Jaws was 75, but, but either way, the special effects didn't hold up. You know, so It came out in 75? Oh, Halloween yes. was oh Halloween was seventy nine. My Halloween was seventy eight. That's right. Okay, that's right. It came out for Halloween. But yeah, with um, you know the special effects they have today, obviously makes for a much better movie. But yeah, uh, I mean, and, and and I was just thinking because everything is just bigger, you know, and people want to see bigger and more action. That you, I, I think that being able to have the special effects and being able to have that ability that it does make the movie that much more, I think it can actually do it justice more than something where, you know, like Jaws did. Because Jaws was basically there and just scared the hell out of people, and it did a great job at that. 
Well, Jaws was a great story and great cinematography, and, and but they were limited in, you know, they had a basically a, a fake shark that, that didn't work half the time. Yeah, that's the funny part. Bruce. The CGI they have today, you know, it, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. What's the what's the most exciting thing you're, you you want to see in the movie? What, is, is there one thing that you want to that, that you're that you kind of know is in there that you're kind of really excited to kind of see how it turned out? Yeah, my ma- my name in the opening credit. <laughs> <laughs> Did they spell it right? <laughs> yeah, they, they better spell it right, or I'll be pissed off. No, I mean the whole movie is is you know pretty intense, and and they they kept the humor in it as well, so. Uh, it's got a nice tone about it, um, and the trailers have just been fantastic. So, you yeah, know, I think it's going to be uh, do really well. And is there one certain scene that you knew that they kind of that, that you think is going to be, you know, can you kind of set a scene up that you think is like really important to the movie? Maybe not giving anything away, but just kind of set the scene up. Well, the. <coughs> Excuse me. The the opening takes place in the Mariana Trench, and that's pretty cool. You know, from what they I've seen, what they designed, and and that's a pretty wild environment itself. And then the second half of the movie takes place in the surface waters. So, uh, I mean, it's all good. You know, I don't want to give anything away with the ending, but the ending is pretty pretty intense too. Mm-hmm. And when and which waters? I mean, uh, this is um, Pacific Ocean. Is it Pacific or Atlantic? Uh, the Mariana Trench is in the Western Pacific. Uh, in the Pacific off, Ocean. Off the coast of Guam. Okay. And from there. I don't know the, if it kept it in the same region or if it moved out in someplace else. So, okay. Well, they did. Uh, the book takes place mostly in California waters, but the but the movie takes place in Chinese waters, okay. which is fine. And did you ever go on set and see anything? Were you ever able to go on set? No, they shot in China and New Zealand. It was a bit far from me, but um, my daughter was invited out there, or she she visited the set, and they, they allowed her to be an extra. So she's the American girl dressed as a Chinese woman. Uh, nice. So last thing, I mean, with, you know, the success of uh, of the movie, and again, the movie comes out on August 10th everywhere, so everyone can kind of see it now, and I know books are available, or not books, but tickets are available. You can get your tickets now. And so is this going to spawn you to now do more more books in the series? Well, we just, uh, A&M Publishing just released uh, a new version of the book, The Meg, with a movie cover and 18 images inside, photos inside, and, and uh, uh, a prequel as well. So uh, it's a pretty good package, uh, and that's in bookstores right now. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about that because it's been 20 years since the book came out. And this is the, I actually rewrote this book uh, a couple of years ago, so it's a, a pretty tight writing um, and much better than the original. So I'm excited about that as well. But, um Meg Generations, the sixth book in the series, uh, is available now on my website, stevealton.com. And uh, we're not selling that one in stores, just on the website. And then there'll be a seventh book probably in the next year or so. Nice. 
So last question to me, because I, you know, people go to your website, again, stevealton.com for more information. The one thing that I do want to bring up real fast and for you to – because uh, you're going to get a lot more fans now, dude. You're going to have a lot more excitement. You're going to have a lot more people coming. Tell us a little about the Adopt an Author program, and because this is something that I think you know that, that you're really excited about that is set up. So what exactly is it, and how do people get involved? Well, back when Meg originally came out in 1997, I started getting inundated with emails from teenagers who were all basically saying the same thing. You know, I hate reading, but I love reading Meg. And for a lot of teens, Meg was the first book they ever finished on their own. And then teachers started emailing me and telling me that they were using the book in the curriculums, in their science and English curriculums, because it really engaged their students. And then I found out that the Young Adult Library Services Association had named Meg their top uh, selection for uh, young adults. And so I realized something was happening that I needed to be involved in. And my background is in education. I have a a bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degree in education. I'm certified to teach in high school. And so we created the nonprofit Adopt an Author program, and basically we supply uh, free curriculum materials, test quizzes, vocabulary lists, posters, and everything a teacher could need uh, to add this to their curriculum. And in addition to that, we, you know, the students have direct access with me through emails, and, and I do... Um, uh, Skype calls or conference calls into the classroom, or if it's close, I'll visit. And we started off in 1999 with about a dozen teachers, and today we've got over 10,000 registered teachers. And it's, what's really great is that, you know, what's amazing to me was that when I when we first started, I realized that they, teachers were using the same books they used when I was in school, and books that really don't engage the student, you know, Wuthering Heights, the Scarlet Letter, Romeo and Juliet. But um, Meg made reading fun, and that's the secret to getting a teenager to read, make it fun. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one of the best things about uh, having been an author is is, uh, being able to work with high school students and getting them engaged in reading. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been talking about that for years. My wife and I have had debates over that, and she's like, no, they have to read the classics. And I go, let them find the classics after they start reading and getting into it. I go, but throwing somebody Shakespeare and saying, there you go, to someone who doesn't read except maybe, you know, Facebook stuff or Twitter stuff, you're, you're going to lose them if they think these are what books are. I said, let them get involved in the stuff that I think they, they would rather be more interested in, and then let them find out about the classics. That was my theory, but... <laughs> no, I agree with you. I mean, to me, the definition yeah. of a classic is something like watching paint dry. It's, you know, it's just yeah. boring. I mean, I would, you know, people, of course, love Dracula and love vampires, but if you read the original Dracula, you're going to say, what the hell did I just read? <laughs> I, I, it's funny you say that because I loved Bram Stoker's original Dracula. I thought... Really? Was, I thought... This, Jonathan Harker was the scariest thing I've ever read. Wow. I mean, I remember reading it, and I was like, uh, okay. I mean, it was kind of slow in a lot of parts. And, and then I think my second horror book was Salem's Lot, and I go, oh, shit, this one really does scare the hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Stoker's genius was that he, he basically told the story through journals and diaries and stuff. But uh, Yeah. 
I, you know, and I think you get better appreciation once you start reading other books, and then maybe you go back and read it because then you start having a better appreciation. But I think if you just try to jump in on it, I think you're kind of like, whoa, that's just, this is not, you know, but but I get you. But, hey, you know, Steve, I know you got cold. we got to get you out of here because you can go relax, and uh, you're on the East Coast. But we want to thank you so much for coming on and joining us. And, again, congratulations on the book and the movie and everything that's going to come on with it and, you know, have fun out here in L.A. seeing it. Uh, book it comes out August 10th, and you'll be here, what, like the 8th? Uh, I will be there the 6th. Okay, so the 6th is when you're going to get the premiere. So nice. So, yeah, we- so that's good. And then everybody can get their tickets now. Um, and SteveAlton.com is the best time, best place to find everything out about you. And, again, congratulations. Thanks for coming on. It's been, it's been fun. I can't it, – it, I'm so happy that this happened for you. Thank you, John. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And we'll uh, talk with you soon, all right? Take care. All right, bye-bye. So, again, everybody, that is author Steve Alton, and the book is Meg, and the movie is The Meg, and it's out, my man, and you want to talk about big-time uh, movies here. I mean, he's got a great slot coming up uh, uh, next Friday um, on the 10th, so the movie's going to come out then, so you can get your tickets now. And... You know, from the trailers I've seen, it's like this is definitely one that you want to go see on the big screen. Uh, you know, there's some movies you can get away, I think, with just, you know, watching them at home and you know, on your own TV. Um, but this is definitely one that I think that you need to go and, and see the big screen, kind of, you know, like a, a lot of those, uh, you know, like, a, like we talked about, like a Jaws or a superhero movie. I think it adds so much more with the sound and the experience to go see it. So make sure you get your tickets and, and, and check it out. And if you haven't seen the trailer, you know, you can go to YouTube and type in The Meg 2018, um, uh, IMDb, you know, all over. You, you know, you, you can check it out and, and see what it's like. And, you know, get the book and make sure you get the series um, because Steve does a great job of, of bringing this stuff to life. Sometimes it's, it's, it's you know, it's difficult to um, – you know, kind of bring animals, I guess, to life in, in this kind of way. It's, it's always, I think, a little easier when you have, you know, a madman running around and chasing, some, you know, a family or a person, and, you know, you can kind of get that. But when you're talking about a creature that can't speak and everything has to be done via action, uh, Steve is excellent at being able to put that on the page. And look at that. Now the music kind of pops up. Let's see if we can get this to stop. So, there we go. See, something's, I told you this thing is wacky. We just want to thank everybody, and we're going to cut it off because there's something going on. So, we just want to thank everybody for joining us here. We're going to be back on the 14th of August, hopefully my uh, equipment will be better than it was uh, tonight. But, hey, at least we were to talk to Steve and we were to, to – uh, to listen to, to what he had to say. So, again, SteveAlton.com, check it out. The movie The Meg is August the 10th. And until next time, everybody, we want to say thanks so much. Keep reading. We'll see you on the 14th of August. Bye-bye.